was checked. The puck sat there for a moment. Now York is shot. Score! Cam York's first in the natural. And it's 2-1 Philadelphia. This is episode 89 of the Liberty L. Danny Deemer here with Chris Stompo. As always, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good. And we got a special guest here. Another one. And this was this is long overdue. Yeah. Should have had him on months ago. But we got the Cam York propagandist himself. Derek out of TLY. How we Yo, doing, buddy? What's up? I am I'm finally good with the mic, so I am here to spread Cam York propaganda and actually be heard in the process, so that's nice. Yeah, you gotta be on Cloud Nine now, huh? Dude, Torts gave me so much material today. Like I don't even need to share Cam York propaganda. The head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers is sharing Cam York propaganda on my behalf. We are Shaq and Kobe on this topic. It's the it's the same thing with Kevin Hayes too. The Kevin Hayes hatred. It's like I don't even need to, <laughs> yep. I don't even need to explain how his points are Mickey. Like he's playing on like the third line. Torts knows, bro. He yeah. knows. It's actually a pretty good point. I mean, you have like all these national media people and even like Hayes' friends who are going around right now. Oh man, like, let's yeah, let's get into that as well. Hey, that really are, pissed yeah. me off. I'm not gonna lie to you. First off, the way Hayes handled that in comparison to the way TK handled his benching, I mean, night and day. Night and day. Oh, and like, I don't think a coach should ever bench a player. What kind of comment is that? That that just seems like big loser energy to me out of Kevin Hayes and the fact that he was probably like in group chats with Ryan Whitney and shit. Like, this is unacceptable. I'm a point per game for this team. Like, yeah. it, really, it really bothers me. It's like you're not getting the fucking point here. It's not about, like, the point production. It's about the effort, and you're just not giving it, dude. Like, you don't check people. Oh, skate spy checks, and that was the one thing that pretty sure it was like Chris Johnson on NHL Network went down and like broke down his last couple of games, and the whole oh benching the point per game player from his buddies Yandel and Whitney and everything like that. Like the thing that got to me with that is like if it was just about the points, he wouldn't be on the third line. He wouldn't have been benched. Like this is and the dudes who are saying this are hockey guys. They're former guys who have been in the locker room have have played NHL games, so they know. They know why Kevin Hayes isn't playing hockey or or wasn't playing hockey during that stretch and is on the third line right now. Like you're skating by checks, you look unenthused, you don't look like you're into it despite being paid the money that you're being paid, and like he's being looked at as a top end guy. Like Torch is like I'm looking at Hayes differently than other guys because he's one of the he's supposed to be one of the big time guys here, and he's not especially with all the injuries, right? You know, like he's supposed to be like the veteran presence. That kind of brings me to another point I have with Kevin Hayes. Torts, in particular, is really big on knowing who you are. If you're an offensive guy, then be an offensive guy. And if you're a defensive guy, you better be a defensive guy. Here's the problem with Kevin Hayes. He gives no effort defensively, and he's not actually that good offensively. So what is he doing? Like, I know he had his little Mickey Mouse point-per-game run, but he's not a point-per-game guy. He's not Demi Panera. Dude, totally agree. Shit is so <laughs> overblown. Point per game player. Like, first off, scoring is up. Like, I feel like you see all the time now, like, certain players be point per game players that normally wouldn't have been in the past. And what, has it been 30 games? Yeah. And, dude, like, anyone who's watched the games, like, we know. Like, dude, we call them Mickey Mouse points for a reason. Like, they, he's not <laughs> Connor McDavid. Make that up for no reason. Yeah, like, he's not Connor McDavid. To affect hockey games offensively. He doesn't. 
He's not on the NHL Twitter account with highlights every night. No, it's like a secondary assist on a beautiful TK shot. Like later in the shift, it's some Mickey point. Kicks the puck over to TK on accident while fucking (laughs) or some shit. Or his shot low that got tipped by like I think like Lazinski, that one game. Yeah, from the point. Yeah, that had Chris cry. Last episode, Frost will shoot that high glove side, and it is getting snatched. (laughs) (laughs) Derek makes a great point about the whole identity thing, and that's something that Torts is has said time and time again. I mean, and he kind of said it today with the whole York situation, talking about you're a rover. I understand that like, you have abilities that other defensemen don't have. So as long as you give me something defensively, I'm going to let you do whatever you want to do offensively. And that's sort of the thing with uh, Torts. Like, he, he recognizes some players is, have some skill sets and others have others. And when Kevin Hayes, like, drew, uh, like Derek just said, he, he's not an a offensive guy, despite the, the point-per-game shit that's happening this year. He has to be playing better the other way for like to be able to be in the top six. I mean, that's the entire reason why you're not seeing him in the top six. And I think that's a and huge thing. The, like, fa- Sorry, I don't want to interrupt. No, go ahead. Uh, that's right. just a huge thing that people like. But despite the like, fabrications of our GM, the absolute imaginations <laughs> of Chuck Fletcher, when, Kev- when he brought Kevin Hayes aboard for $7 million a year, we were given a speech that he was going to put up points, yeah, but he was going to be a two-way guy who played hard on both ends, and he was going to kill penalties, and he was going to do all that shit. And now, all of a sudden, it's changed. Now hmm. Chuck Fletcher is coming out and being like, well, we always knew he was not an elite defensive player. Bullshit. You told us the exact opposite when you signed this guy. Yeah. For $7 million a year, Mike. It was the exact thing you tried to sell me on when you signed and traded for him was that he was a solid two-way player that could contribute offensively, like almost and word for word. To me personally, as someone who has, like, watched every game throughout this dark age of Flyers hockey, like, I've just seen players who have tendencies of, of a losing culture. Like, they just play losing hockey. And Kevin Hayes is that kind of guy to me. Like, his tendencies are that of a losing player. And I like that my head coach can recognize that and snuff it out after years of that flying here in this culture. It's refreshing to me. And anyone who says otherwise isn't a Flyers fan or a true, like, watching day-in, day-out Flyers fan. Look, I have had some frustrations with Torts over the course of this. <laughs> I was just going to bring this up. <laughs> I have. I mean, you were bringing up about some shit we were going on about the group chat. Like, me and Mayor were going in on this dude about Morgan Frost. But if we want to transition there, Morgan Frost has turned out spectacularly so far. And this isn't just, like, some random four-game insanity run for the entire month of december this kid has been an entirely different person agreed no i mean frost has been like you just said a completely different person and i think that has to you gotta give tip your cap to torts a little bit because i mean even like me and you in the beginning of the season when all this whole frost stuff was happening and even like the toilet seat comment it all like looking back on it now it's it was all necessary because the way Frost, like he, of course Frost had the really good first game, but after that, I mean, I mean, he had flashes here and there, but it was anything consistent, and that's all Torts wanted. He wanted a good defense, just give me something defensively, and just try to be consistent offensively. I mean, when, like you said, ever since December hits, it hit, it seemed like he just turned into a completely different player. It was after the toilet seat comment, actually, to be yeah. fair, and which he found yeah. funny, to be fair. <laughs> he um, did. He said that, and I really like that attitude. I like the whole like demeanor. Yeah. He had in that interview. 
But like you said, just not like a four or five game run where he's looking in on points. It's just a guy that you look at and you're like, he just does, does, does not look like the same player that was playing in November, playing and, in late October. Well, and it felt like a build up to this point with the production. When I can't is that uh, tracking shit, and I try to track all the stuff people are doing in the game that you might miss. And I did that for Frost. I haven't published an article yet, so I guess we're all getting inside information on this. I did that for Frost in the Columbus game. I did that for Frost in the Carolina game. This kid has become a four-checking demon. This (laughs) kid is forcing turnovers at machine-like rates. It's incredible. He's... And... Carolina is a good-ass team. Columbus had Johnny Gaudreau on, you know, matched up with him. And he was forcing turnovers left and right. There's a couple memorable ones, like where he managed to flag down a puck with his skate. I think he turned that into a goal in the Columbus game. Well, but when what period was that? Was that... Oh, he got, he got an assist on that play. It was like, like the end of the second period. I, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, he was the defenseman's impressive. going for a breakout, and he manages to like intercept the puck oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. skate. And then JVR picked it right up. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. I do remember that play? Yeah, but I mean, like it all comes down to what you said, and it's just consistency. And he just it, looks so so a confident. Whole new intensity to his yeah. game is kind of like the general point I was getting at. Like before, it was if Frost ever got the puck on his stick, he was going to look pretty good. Now, but the whole challenge was getting the puck on his stick on a frequent basis. That, that's not a challenge anymore. This kid's forechecking so hard, he's creating turnovers, and he's getting the puck on his stick. Yeah, and it's also and, keeping the puck on his stick, like making yeah. the, making the play and not getting rid of the puck as soon as it touched your stick to make the safe play. Like That was the whole thing with him. Was He was just trying to make the right play to stay... In the like in the NHL, I guess um, to stay out of the doghouse. Yeah, yeah, exactly to stay out of towards his doghouse. But now it's like, okay, uh, I'm not going to get sat for one mistake, which Torch has come out and said multiple times. I'm not going to sit a guy for one turnover. Like the entire reason, like you, you give kids leadway to make mistakes because you learn from them. And now Frost is just playing with a whole different kind of confidence when the puck is on his stick. He's not getting rid of it as soon as it touches his stick. He's holding on to it, he, and he's being the playmaker. He's finally showing the playmaking capabilities that me and Danny have sat on this podcast and have have said that he has for years. I mean, I'm, I'm, we're not throwing our hands up and calling on the next fucking Nicholas Backstrom, but, I mean, like, we're finally seeing the the skill somewhat translate to the NHL over a, a long course period of time, which is, I mean, like, it's the top three story in the on the team right now not there there not that there are a lot of stories but it's a good story that's happening right now and it's something that people need to talk about because it's happening this was an incredible positive break for the team if it happens to work out getting someone like frost to actually find his game is huge it's huge absolutely this franchise him and york like who him and york are the two guys that i look at right now. i was gonna say york as well and those are the two guys that seem like there was oh we're gonna get being buttons problem. pushed as well like by torts like mm-hmm. I was hoping he was kind of playing the long game with both of them and it seems like he was. It's not over that... yet. Like there are still things that both of these guys uh, yeah. need to do. But it's it feels like it's just snowballing now and it's only gonna get better. Like how can Frost become a worse player from this? Like he's got to be on on top of the world right now, confidence wise. Like he, he's got to be itching to get back out there. Definitely. I mean, like, he's scoring against Toronto and Carolina. 
Yeah. I, yeah it's another great point. Like, he's not scoring these goals off of – I mean, of course, he had the Arizona game, the four-point game um, against them. I right. mean, they Provorov suck. sucked then, too. <laughs> exactly. But <laughs> other than that, like, he's scoring goals like against the Rangers. Uh, I mean, Columbus, obviously, they're not a good team, but like Derek said, he was matched up against Goudreau on that top line. So, I mean, he's having these games against good teams. So, I mean, if he can continue this, it's just like we just got done saying, it's a huge thing for this organization who does not have a lot of things to get excited about other than, like, Cutter Gauthier, who's not even actually on the team right now. But And Leo Carlson, who will be on the team <laughs> shortly. We will talk about that. But, I mean, we could get into York a little bit further because he has been really, really good since being called up. And, I mean, he's going to be playing uh, next to Ivan Provorov, at least, to start these next few games coming out of the break. So uh, what do you think about that, Dan? Because, I mean, we've talked about York potentially being next to Provorov and seeing if we can get Provorov right because he's been kind of off. Yeah, I love the way Torts has kind of put more trust in New York. And I see in all of his press conferences, he's like, you know, he's a player that you just got to let him stick it out and make mistakes. And I love hearing that. Like, there is going to be no immediate punishment or demotion for making the wrong play like he knows york's game like he has to work through the kinks the early kinks to become a everyday nhl player but yeah i'm definitely excited with him being with pro rob it's just cool to see him and frost get trust in these like third periods as a flyers fan watching every night to not see like kevin hayes out there late in the third it's frost it's york making plays um, I forget what game it was, but the game where Frost should have had that one-timer goal to tie the game up and that one comeback. Oh, it was Toronto, right? Toronto, dude, that clip. Exactly with the Flyers. Like, they were going that off that. They, they single-handedly brought us back in that game and almost forced OT yeah. against Toronto. And they Toronto's on a heater. They didn't, but that was, that was absurd. Yeah, so I, I mean, that's where I mean, it goes back to my point in saying that like, he's playing – He's affecting games against <laughs> Austin Matthews. Like, the Austin Matthews was on the ice when that play happened. So, I mean, like, he, he's playing, having these types of games against good teams, which is great he's to see. top-line minutes, getting matched up against stars some of the time. Like, he's not getting Sean Couturier treatment. We're not seeking out the stars so we can match up Morgan Frost with them. Yeah. But he's just by virtue of where he is in the lineup, facing Marner and Nylander. Matthews he's facing these guys and he's holding his own whether you look at it statistically the numbers that I've thrown around with him lately are incredible I mean at one point he was like ninth in the league in expected goals per 60 among centers yeah or even if you just look at the eye test and the way he can take the puck from his own end zone to the enemy zone just seamlessly no matter who's on the ice it's really honestly been incredible to watch because I didn't expect you'd get this kind of frost. Nah. This soon. Yeah, like, especially with the way it started with him playing with Delorier and all that shit. I really thought this was going to trend downwards for Frost. I mean, he's definitely like, our, probably our best entry guy from our own end entering the other zone. I mean, the power play, it's differently, uh, different because I feel like they have set plays that these players have to do. Because the way, like you watch Frost take the puck in five on five, versus him doing it on the power play, it's completely different. Like Frost has free will five on five to do whatever he wants, and eight times out of ten he's answering the zone clean with possession. On the power play, I don't know what 
they're doing there. But, I mean, he, he's definitely, like, Derek talks about it all the time. If they can get a guy who can enter a zone cleanly, like a Johnny Gaudreau, a Nathan McKinnon, obviously not these kind of guys, but if we can get an elite zone entry guy like a Voracek, we had so for so long with him, kind of spoiled. But like, if Frost can be a guy that we can depend on entering the zone when his line is out there with possession, I mean, you can put a ton of guys on that line. Like, put a cut of Gauthier on a line that's consistently entering the zone with possession. That's something fun to think about. So, it's another thing to keep looking at with Frost because, I mean, that's a that's a, a part of his game that I've been watching closely over the last, like, 15 games, and it's something that's been improving with with each game. So, I mean, he's been impressive there for me so, like, personally. That's so one Frost of the awesome is... things about Sorry. York is York is probably already the best transition defenseman on this team mm-hmm. in terms of his way to either exit the zone cleanly or enter the other zone cleanly. I mean, I, I think he's more efficient than D'Angelo on that, but D'Angelo is his competition. Yeah, I think he's better than D'Angelo. I mean, you could argue Sanheim, but... Sanheim's pretty good at that, but Sanheim doesn't... Sanheim's, like, really good at entries, like, kind of freaky good. But I don't yeah, think and then he breakouts like York. And then he skates along the, the, the board, and then nothing happens after he enters the zone. It's Yeah. <laughs> it's, he, he's great at, like, entering the zone, but other than that, you don't got much after that, but... It's such a weird, it's such a hard job because obviously there's the skating that everyone thinks about, but it's like the IQ and the processing to be able to make the correct play at high speed repeatedly. You have to be able to do both of those things, and that's why it's such a crucial thing for a hockey team to have because it's so damn hard to find. It's something that I've been very frustrated with Wade Allison. I feel like his processing speed isn't anywhere He's on that DSL connection. <laughs> yeah, it's not anywhere where it needs to be for him to be an effective NHL player. And like obviously he's coming back from injury, so there's there's time for him to 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 get it back to where it needs to be cuz we've seen him do it before. But I mean right now the processing speed is just not where it needs to be and even when he was on it, like you could see sometimes he'll like he'll be in the corners fumbling a puck like not like, okay, I have the puck. I'm entering his own. What do I have to do with it next? Like, he, he he struggles to figure out what he's going to do next as the play is actively happening, like, as the puck is on his stick. So, that's something that needs to get a little bit better with him. But, I mean, like, that's like, I, I guess that's why Torts had talked about with Wade Allison, dude, just play straight ahead. Don't yeah. pretend you have the processing speed to, like, sort out which play to make on the blue line because you don't. Just yeah. play straight ahead. You're really good like that. I actually didn't like that when he first said it, but really with Wade coming back from injury and me sort of seeing that for myself, it's one of those things where torts take aged very well. Yeah, definitely aged well. I mean, aged well with Frost and York. If you look yeah, back, like, yeah. from the beginning of the season when you were f- f- throwing a hissy fit in the group chat about oh, York. Pissed, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, like, your point was valid. Like he could have easily been in the a- in the NHL, but and it could have gone the other way. Like let's be honest, how many times with prospects does it go the other way and you fuck them up because the, you know, you're gonna send them back and forth on the shuttle bus? That's kind of yeah. what I was afraid of. But no, it didn't go that way. It really helped York. Yeah, I mean personally, I think the going down to the NHL really, really helped him. So, I mean that's something that you gotta tip your cat to to towards a little bit, especially. 
with Frost too, even though Frost obviously couldn't go back to the AHL. But the way he's handled those both, like Danny pointed out, it's like those two guys he's kind of like singled out as like the younger guys. Tippett as well. And you remember in the preseason, he walked up to Tippett and goes, "I want to know who you are. Are you a banger? Are you a scorer? Like, are you like what are you?" So I mean that's a it's a big thing because you got to figure out what you are in the NHL before you can do anything else. So it's huge. I I, I personally I think Torch has been huge for this team so far. Like, I love everything that he's been saying, have said, um, and just the way he's operating. I mean he's the only one in this organization that's like not a fan. That's probably open openly admitted that this is a tank. Yeah, the only so, one that says the truth. Yeah, like the only one who actually says, "Hey, this is a." <laughs> we're not winning hockey games. Like, the one guy that you think that wants to win hockey games is, like, actually sitting here being like, yeah, we're not going to, guys. It's going to be a long process. I wonder how many times he, like, practiced quitting in his office when he came to that conclusion. Who? Towards. Like, how many times when he, like, saw this team and just saw how clear the tank was that he just sit in his office writing up drafts of his resignation letter Oh, I feel like he had to have known, right? Coming in, I mean, we definitely he, he weren't. Pro- he probably did. We know, were bottom five. Kind of funny because you think of Torts as like the ultimate competitive coach, and a lot of people were talking about this, like uh, Torts was going to drag this roster to be like 13th in the league, but that didn't really happen either. We're still a bottom five team. We're going to finish bottom five. If not, we're going to finish sixth, and I, it's kind of the best of both worlds because we are really making some necessary personality corrections with uh, with like Kevin Hayes and Morgan Frost and Cam York like we are instilling a culture into them or in the case of Kevin Hayes buying them out hopefully <laughs> I, I mean can we all talk about that real quick like the whole buying out shit needs to go like that's not going to happen and if it does happen it's an atrocity throughout like the entire organization if they buy him out which it makes no sense like you can trade him there's so many other things that you can do before you buy him out and you spend the money that you would have to spend on you him. You can probably trade him at 50%. Like, Definitely. I'm not as bullish on that as I was, but Definitely. part of me looks at how fucking barren the trade market was over the summer. Like, if Nick Felino can bring back a first, I can bring something back for Kevin Hayes at 50% retained. Yo, did Nick Felino bring back a first? Did that actually happen? Yeah, like two years ago it happened. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 no, I, I, yeah, I got you now. Yeah. I thought that happened recently. I was like, oh, no. Boston managed to what? <laughs> still happened. So, I mean, like, you can't con- you can't convince me that Kevin Hayes, you can't get a team to give up something for Kevin Hayes at 50% retained. It's like, that COVID cap, dude. It ruined teams because teams definitely. were signing contracts to figures where their math guys were all assuming the cap would go up by this much and the percentage cap hit would be this much at this year. But all that's bullshit because mm-hmm. the cap's been flat for 8,000 years now. And so nobody wants to make a trade. Speaking of uh, older guys, I don't know why this kind of popped into my head, but, I mean, Cam Ackerson is something that we haven't talked about at all since this has started. So, I mean... I've been, like, glibly mentioning that he died. Yeah. So, I mean, he yeah. is... Atkinson, Couturier, Ellis. Honestly, at the end of the day, like Derek was saying, it's kind of the best of both worlds. It's kind of a blessing in disguise because it get, it doesn't give towards the ability to drag this team to out of better draft positioning, and we're going to finish bottom five. That's as long as Hart doesn't continue doing what he's been doing. And he's like been... 
actively pissing me off during games, which I don't think I'd ever say. Yeah, that Devils game was ridiculous on the road <laughs> like, against the Devils. Like, are you that kidding Devils me? game was fucking torture to me, dude. You ruined my sanity. Yeah, I mean, he's just been incredible. If we give any other goalie right now, and I mean any other goalie, maybe uh, who's the guy in Arizona? I always Vezmelka. We have him maybe it's the same because I mean he he's just on a he's on a, on an equally as shitty team and he's he's has better numbers than Hart. But I mean any other goalie but these two guys we're we're with the Ducks. We are with the Ducks and we've been with the Ducks since November eighth. Like we are the second worst team in the league since November eighth with five wins total. So I mean we're right there. But if we didn't have this guy, we think think about how bad we'd be without him. Think about that, dude. We'd be chasing the Blackhawks. Which, well, uh, fuck them. Like, I, I, I... Dude, they are pissing me Right? Off. Like, uh, you're going to go from the Kane and Taves era, and you're going to go straight into Fantilli or Bedard, bro. Like, bro, they can barely score. They can barely score. At least, like, the Ducks some nights, like, they have, like, a good goal output. Maybe they have, like, a four-goal game. But, like, the Blackhawks, nah. They're down 3-0. Every game, it's so annoying. <laughs> like, like, look at Arizona um, last night battling Colorado. Yeah, Arizona battles San Jose too. They occasionally pull one out. And we dude, have... we, three of our next four games. I know San Jose, Anaheim, Arizona. It is agenda week right here. I was just going to bring that up. We have our our next four of our five games are against teams that, quite frankly, I hate saying this because I'm a, f- a huge Flyers fan, but. We we gotta lose these fucking games, yeah. dude. Like, Bedard has like one. five points this game. I'm watching. Canada's up seven one on Germany. Fantilli just picked up his second point of the night. I mean, like, I'm watching these these high end. I mean, this is an insane tournament so far. Like, this has been so fun. Uh, we have to lose these games. I love the parody that's been going on in World Me too. Right makes it so like, much better to watch. This dude. isn't U.S. and Canada just just yeah. violating people at will like they are some actual good teams that are mm-hmm. upsetting them giving them runs for their money it's been great to watch it's been really fun no seriously like it's they've been like the, the uh slovakia has been awesome austria has been terrible because they're all like babies but like you said it's not just canada and the united states running the table it's been a lot of good games like even finland Woke up after their 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 wake up call against. I think it was uh who were they playing. I think it was the Czechs. So I mean, yeah, it's just been an extremely fun tournament so far, and I've just been watching a lot of guys that I want to lose for. So Can- yeah, Canadian right. fans were yeah. mad the other day. I saw some of them on Twitter after they lost. I saw some of them saying like, "Oh, the World Juniors is not the stage it once was." Like, bro, it's just because just because they lost game <laughs> one. They? Who said used- that? Just some rando bot about on Twitter. what? Some angry Canadian, right? Yeah, some angry Canadian after his team lost. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, this has been a very fun world junior. If you like hockey and close Oh, hockey, yeah, no, it's yeah. just team fans of the Canadian world junior team are not used to losing the first game of group play. They're I mean, just not used to it. They're up 7-1 nah. right now, so, I mean, you're cool. Like, you're going you're gonna to be able to you're fight for gold. To. But one guy I have to shout out, 2023 eligible, is Leo Carlson. I'm about to become a yeah, let's get into that real quick. Let, let, let's get into the whole uh, World Junior and draft stuff because I mean it's it's a huge topic, obviously, without within yeah. the entire fan base. So, I mean, we might as well hop into that conversation now. So, 
Derek. Mean, a lot, a lot of the qualities that Fantilli brings, that mix of size and skill and speed, you see from Leo Carlson. Yeah. There's subtle differences. Like Car- like Fantilli's got a better shot than Carlson, no question. But Carlson's got a level of vision and a passing ability that Fantilli just doesn't have. Yeah, I mean, I but, wouldn't even go so that far to say he's got a better shot. I mean, Carlson's shot, like me and you were sitting here the other uh, watching Sweden, I think it was yesterday. I mean, at least yeah. has a better shot than pe- people think. 100%. It, it's, it's good. I mean, his release could be a little quicker, but once that puck is off his stick, it can fly. Yeah. I mean, he's Which, a... I mean, because we're talking about quick releases, I guess we can throw out that Cutter Gauthier looks fucking ridiculous like he hasn't scored a goal yet but he's got two assists in this last game and then in the first game he probably should have scored a goal but he had the puck luck of Morgan Frost in November yeah (laughs) and he I mean he 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 check his shots on goal in his first two games I'm pretty sure it's close to 10 no I mean the first two games combined oh yeah first two Ah, dude dozen yeah has to be a dozen definitely more either Right at ten, or maybe a little bit more than ten, but he's definitely like he's just been. I, I knew his shot was good, but I didn't know it was this good. Like this kid has a shot where you ninety five percent of the time I don't even see the shot itself, and the way that it comes off his stick, I mean, he can shoot the puck with the best of them. The, the way he can shoot it is just incredible. I'm not trying to like talk him up because he's a Flyers prospect and all that bullshit, but I mean like. This kid has one of the best shots that I've seen in a really long time. Like, his shot is better than Forrester's. I don't give a fuck. Like, no, Forrester, 100% is. Yeah, like, Forrester's yeah. got a good shot. Got a great slap shot. But, I mean, uh, this kid is just it's, it's, it's insane. Shot. Yeah. Like, you How can play many? him. I'm sorry. You Look. can play him in the bumper on the power play with ease. Like, you can play him oh, on yeah. the wall. You can play him on the bumper. Because the way he can take a, a pass in and release it within, like, two-tenths of a second is just incredible to watch. I mean, it's really, really, really fun. It's insanity, and the other thing I really like about his game, and nobody nobody talks about it because he gets so much renown for his goal scoring, which is well-deserved, Yeah. but he's a better passer than a lot of people think. He is. It, if you just watch the passes he can make in transition, and like the processing speed, like we were talking about with Wade Allison, it's the opposite with Cutter. This kid makes decisions at lightning speed. Yeah, he does. And it's super translatable to the NHL. That is one of the most projectable NHL qualities you can have. And you combine that with his shot, and it's hard not to get really hyped about this kid. Yeah, I mean, you make a great point with him playing an NHL type of style because the points aren't there right now, and not everything is about points and the stat sheet and stuff like that because if you actually have been watching him and the way he can pick up a puck in the neutral zone and get his feet moving and really get up a wall and, and, and get the play moving, is incredible to watch. Like he he's made a couple of plays through the neutral zone with speed and just going inside with his size and not being afraid to to really get physical. I and mean, it's just like you said, he's playing an NHL game right now. And like I th- I think he's like trying to get ready for the NHL in the way that he's playing. It was like instead of like trying the fancy move, he tries the. I mean, he makes sure he gets the puck deep. You know what I mean? Like he's just playing NHL hockey right now and. He's got the size for it. I mean, he is a big dude with some skill. So, yeah, like you said, it's hard not to get excited about him. Uh, Especially because he's learning shit so quickly. Like, I feel like if you watch Cutter right now, this is a different player than the Cutter of the National Development Program before he was drafted. 
already. Without a doubt, yeah. And whenever you have a guy with his physical tools who is learning that quickly, that's the last time I remember that happening was Maurice Sider. I mean, that was a defenseman. Yeah. But I just mean that guy who people thought he was a bit of a reach who just suddenly explodes, and now Detroit fans are calling him the next Nick Lidstrom. <laughs> and yeah. it's because you have these, like, supreme athletes like Cider was and like Cutter is, and if they can learn shit, they can develop their skills, there is no ceiling. No, definitely not. I mean, you got a guy like Cutter, and you can't, like you said, you can't pinpoint what he's going to be yet. I mean, it's only been a year since he's been drafted, but Danny... Right now, I need you to give me your top five prospects right now. I know you're not heavily into them, but if you could go one to five right now. Uh, Bedard, Fantilli, Mitchkov, Carlson, and five is just such a toss-up. Five is kind of like a what, – what, not, maybe not franchise guy, but definitely going to be a really good top six guy. In the like NHL, a top liner, like Will Smith, give me Will Smith Dude, all day. Yeah, like there are a lot, like there are a couple of guys that aren't playing in this in this tournament that you look at at five and six, like Jaeger, uh, Benson, uh, like Ben Benson's a guy that I've seen as high as three, I think. Yeah. So Even, I mean, uh, some guys who are playing in this tournament who have looked really good, Dalibor Dvorsky. Dvorsky's looked awesome. Like he doesn't have the foot speed that I mean you maybe would like from a top five pick. And, I mean, he is only, I think he's pretty, I think he's 17 or just turned 18. Um, but, I mean, the shot, the the processing speed, the, the ability to use his body in the corner and get out of the corner with the puck is extremely impressive for a kid his age. Um, um, I don't know if yeah, I said we shot. talking about it. It feels like there's a lot of similarities to Elias Patterson in his game. He kind of reminds me of Mitchkov in the way that, like, he doesn't yeah. blow you away with his speed. Like, he's not going to look like McDavid coming down the wall. But, I mean, the way he can process the game and his hands and his high cue makes up for that. And it kind of reminds me of that and a little bit of, like, <laughs> and, like similarities. But um, I would still take, obviously. I mean, there's, like, Mitchkov's falling off some people's boards. But I'm still taking Mitchkov, like, top four. Yeah, I'm still taking him four. Carlson has left him on my little personal board, but I'm still taking him for And I don't want to butcher his name. Uh, Edward, what's his last name? Uh, I am always tempted to say Sale, but I think it's Shala. Yeah, it's, Sh- it's definitely Shala. Because yeah, um, I heard like the commentary during these games say his name, and I'm like, okay. It's not Sale. <laughs> um, but he's been good. He's got three points in two games. Divorce, he's got two points in uh, two games. So if, I, he I think he might pick up another assist. Shallow. Yeah, I mean, like the top five right now is a. I mean, three to four. No, no, no. Four to five. Uh, four to six right now is such a toss up. Like you don't know who, whether you're going to go with the guys who aren't even playing and Benson and Jaeger and Cristal who can still jump up there. Like there are so many guys that I mean, you, we still have months and months until the draft. So I, it's I feel like going to be Crystal is going to be a steal for somebody. Yeah, uh, it's going to be it's someone in the 10 to 11. I mean, the 10 to like 13 range is going to get a guy in him. So, yeah, that's going to be that's going to be fun. Um could get into some questions. I mean, cuz there are a lot of them. There are yeah. a ton yeah, of questions. They, they, I got them up if you want me to. Interesting ones from what I remember. Yeah, I got a couple of good ones. Yeah, Danny, if you want to go through them, definitely. Bleed orange and black. He's always our first one. That's our guy. Most consistent. This episode equals fire. <laughs> Besides the top five pick, 
what slash who do we look for at our team needs, even deep draft picks, what effect do we think Torts is having on the locker room, both good and bad, is he building a culture, how do we pursue the tank with Hart being so good, I guess that one's already answered, let's fucking go the Liberty L and Derek. That's my guy, man. I love that All dude. All right. Yeah. Please, awesome. I feel like a lot of those questions have been answered in, uh, in this the first 35 minutes of this pod, but like the torch building, what he's done. Yeah. I um, mean, I guess. Yeah, I'm a big fan personally. Besides a top five pick, I think we can make a conversation out of that because it's really like, what does this team really need to be a contender? And... Besides a top five pick, what and who do you think what and who do we look at for our team's needs? Like, there's a lot other than top five. Picks. I think to address those needs, though, you got to get rid of some anchors. Dude, I keep looking at the defense. Like, that shit is still scaring me. Especially Rasmus Ristolainen. And I'm not even trying to, like, dog on him and say, like, like dunk on him and like everyone else has. But, like, man, that defense is a lot of money wrapped up in it for being mediocre, dude. He has been atrocious. And I, that... Five million dollars to pay somebody to make they doubled down too, man. Like, it's just <laughs> incredible. <laughs> you trade, you give a first up, and then you double down with that contract. Like, man, this is Andrew McDonald 2.0, man. I feel like, in order for me to answer what we need on defense, I have to know just how high Cam York's ceiling is because I think it's very high, and we're gonna find out. But if Cam York's ceiling is as high as I think it is, and apparently as high as Torts thinks it is, then your top pair could easily be situated. And if your top pair is situated, and you just got to find a way to unload Rasmus Ristolainen, I don't know that that'll be all that difficult. Because uh, look at Stevie Y, who has been fleecing people for decades. All of a sudden, Stevie Y falls head over heels in love with Ben Chiro who is basically Rasmus Ristolainen and gives him the exact same contract and pairs him with Maurice Sider. For whatever reason, NHL GMs are absolutely gaga over Rasmus Ristolainen archetypes. <laughs> it yeah, is true. We weren't the only team that was going to yeah. do that. <laughs> you had a line of teams ready to commit suicide for Rasmus just, Ristolainen. Just our luck. That's the sweepstakes we win, right? Right, not Goudreau. Goudreau, who's begging to come here. Nah, not that one. Nah, not the Brinkat. Now we, now guys, we won the Kevin Hayes and Rasmus Ristolainen in sweepstakes. Like, and people wonder why we're bad. No, I mean yeah. this, it's the worst I've ever experienced as a Flyers fan. But I could agree now. with you though. If we if we could solidify a top pair and we we look at that and it's like okay, this is a winning top pair. Then it does get much easier from there, but yeah, it's hard my to do. thing I... is just you need a number one, you need a a true number one defenseman. Like I, and... we, we can all agree that Ivan Provorov has struggled this year, and I don't think mm-hmm. Ivan Provorov is as bad as people are saying he is right now. But like I think we can all agree that Ivan Provorov is not a true number one defenseman. Like he's a one B kind of guy because if you could find him a really good partner, he's that good. But like we need a guy who makes someone good. We need a guy who is like a number one, eats thirty minutes a night, but can also score on you like true number one defenseman. And we don't have that. We we, we don't have a true number one guy. So I think like if if anything, no. like a scorer, obviously, which we might have in like Gauthier and Forrester, but like if I had to like if if you told me you can handpick 
one person in the NHL, and it's not McDavid, it's not McKinnon, who would it be? It would be one of these like young right-handed studs, like Cedar, um, McAvoy, McAvoy, like even like Wierenski. Like he he's a true number one guy um, over there in Columbus. Like there are so many guys within in the league that you can look at, and you're like, oh my god, like Darlene over there, which in Buffalo. is what makes York such a wild card because what he's done, not just this year, by the way. If this was like eight games, I'd think I'm a lunatic. <laughs> but if you look back at what he did last year. Yeah, the points weren't there, but he was driving play. It didn't matter if it was with Ivan Provorov. Uh, Cam York was Ivan Provorov's best partner, and the sample size was, like, over 20 games. Like, yeah, I'm, like, I'm not surprised either. Like, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's an elite puck mover. Like, that's, that's, not a, that's not a secret. So and He's just another case of the fan base giving up on him too early. Are, mm-hmm. And his defensive abilities are, like, massively underrated in the sense that his defensive stick... It's kind of ridiculous. Wait, Danny, what did it's you like say? It's like really fun to watch. I said, much like Morgan Frost, Cam York is a case of the fan base just kind of giving up on him too early. Like it's so easy for a fan to just point to Cole Caulfield and be like, "Oh, oh. look at York. York's not doing shit. York's not do-. like no. If you're watching, like York is improving and it's something to be excited about. And it's a defenseman. Like in this case, it was it, even yeah, more that obvious. especially. But like the casuals don't understand that. There, oh, they don't yeah, understand. You're it. right. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, they, they, they just look over in there in Montreal. Uh, what did I text Stumps? That was, uh, it was uh, now all of a sudden they want Yearcheck over Gauthier. Uh, they want the defenseman over the goal scorer. What happened to the goal scorer over the defenseman? Wasn't that what we were whining about in 2019? I know. Dude. Honestly, whining about for 10 years. We've whined about it for 10 Like When was the last time we've had a prospect with a shot like Gauthier? Yeah. yeah, something to be excited about like that. Flyers fans have been itching for something. Like <laughs> it's been a while. Like, dude, dude, this kid's got our last night. Was, I guess Jeff Carter. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that was the first thing I thought of as well. I mean, it's it's been pretty bad the last ten years in terms of goal scoring. Which is prospects. sad because like, and I mean, we have like a fucking generational playmaker. Okay, like as far as playmakers in the NHL, you couldn't get much better than Claude Giroux, and we paired him with another playmaker. <laughs> we could not find a sniper. Say this guy's life. Meanwhile, Nicholas Backstrom gets to be paired with the greatest goal scorer of all time. Get out of here! I, I mean, that's right. something me and Danny have always talked about. Like, like, make power play one, Drew's power play, and then make power play two, Voracek's power play. Because like, they're both playmakers who come off wing, uh, walls. So. Or instead of giving Voracek eight million dollars to be Drew's duo, it should have been a sniper counterpart. Shouldn't have been Voracek personally. I think. Could you imagine, and I, they weren't willing to do this at the time, but could you imagine if you had Jeff Carter at the peak of his abilities and Giroux on his wing? My God, dude, he'd have put up 50. Yeah. That would, that look what, look what Giroux did with Yager, the ghost of Yager, dude. I mean, <laughs> we say it all the time. Couturier was like on the third line, and then he got put with Giroux. And don't get me wrong, Couturier became an elite player in his own right. But he went immediately from the third line to with prime Giroux. And he just became unstoppable. Prime Giroux. <laughs> Couturier, another guy that the fan base did give up on. Yeah. Lawton's a guy that the fan base gave up on for a very long yeah. time, dude. Like, these okay, things well, take time. They're case by case. Right now. <laughs> There's no concrete blueprint for, like, oh, at, at game 75, this player needs to be this. It's like, no. Nah. I mean, you look at the career path of Morgan Frost, like the bumps in the road there, and it's like, I don't know. I kind of applaud know, the guy for the way he's attacked the... this adversity. And because he was the guy who asked the question that got us down this path. It, we, him and I, were doing this little project 
how many NHL games did it really take for all these stars that you're thinking of to really come into their own? And a lot of times I feel like people have this imagination that dudes will, it's game 10 and dudes will figure out how to be Victor Hedman. But that's not how it works at all. Like you'll have Tage Thompson who took a hundred and some games. Guess how many games Jack Hughes took? A hundred and some games. Dylan Larkin, a hundred some games. That's the way it is for most guys. Yeah, they, they don't McDavid. come into the NHL like McDavid or Austin Matthews and just immediately start murking people. Yeah, I mean that's a great point. A lot of players around the league who are elite right now. I mean, look at the Rangers who are still kind of going back and forth with Kako and Lafreniere. Yeah, I was I was yeah. just gonna bring up Lafreniere. Yeah, I mean, Gad, go. That's a case where, like, the, I bet Rangers fans are probably going overboard, but they should just stay patient. I mean, the kid came out of the QMJHL. I'm sure there was I've, – I've watched the QMJHL. It's not the best league for getting ready for NHL hockey. Let's just say that. Denoyer better. That's all i got to say. Um, Denoyer yeah, better. Denoyer clears. Denoyer clears basically <laughs> everybody at this point because for some reason he went from a shutdown guy to one of the greatest snipers the AHL has ever seen. That's kind of an incredible story. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, uh, he's been good down there. But, uh, you know, Danny, there is a question that I want to read. It's from Dom, Dbala0325. Carter Hart should be a lifelong flyer, but let's just say things happen, such as Briere in at GM and Fletcher gone, and we embrace the full rebuild. Do you trade Carter Hart to help accelerate that rebuild? Danny, no. I was interested to hear your, your <laughs> answer. No, no. No, you don't do that, too. We, it's an interesting... We, question because if like if we're actually going to like buckle down and and do a rebuild like i mean a full-fledged rebuild like we, we don't get bradard and they're like you know what full-fledged rebuild we're going to suck next three years would you even i, like, I just don't see it? that i feel like like the flyers ownership like they're so scared of that word yeah. that even like the, the puppet gm like avoids at all costs saying that word like people are always like Oh, they're not on the same page towards the GM. It's like, no, they're on the same page. It's just one guy, like, for some reason can't say it, and the other guy just doesn't give a fuck. Like, he's just bluntly honest, like Tortorella, and just says it. Desi just scored, by the way. He just tied the game up 2-2. What a fucking legend. We just manifested a Denoyer goal. Boys realize that. 2-2, baby. Let's go. T-L-Y bump. So here's my take on the whole, do we trade Hart to Israel? That's a wild if question. If we do that, we would never commit to a multi-year plan of a rebuild. I never. guarantee we're what gonna get we're gonna get game? some guy in this draft and be like, "Oh, let's go." Yeah, yeah, but like, even if I entertain the fact that we were willing to do it, what what is the end game? The only exactly. way that makes sense is if you have another guy that you are for sure, yeah, hundred percent, is going to be Carter Hart. Because if you don't, you're going to be Edmonton Oilers. Or as soon as you trade, especially like we've been looking for a goalie like this for thirty plus years or some shit yeah, now. Like, do you want to go back to twenty ten where we're just falling an inch short because we have uh, who the hell knows Michael is Lane. our goaltender? Just NPCs in that like, <laughs> NPCs. Yeah, like I don't want to do that. Carter Hart is our X factor. He's the wild card here. We can do a rebuild on the yeah, fly. It's his franchise will, yeah. because of Carter Hart because of the play that he can bring. That's not worth whatever the hell I'm going to trade him for. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a question that's not really, like, a, a realistic one, but it's something to think about as, like, if 
and we know that they're never going to actually turn around to us and, and say rebuild because it's just something that this Fly's organization just does not do. But oh, if they true. ever did in this weird fantasy world, it would be something that I would think about. But at, at the end of the day, it's just like, it, like you said, you can have Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl on the same team and you can just still barely squeak out of the – I mean, they just made it to the conference finals last year, so – it's a, it's a very and, tough thing. And like you said, and then you, you got a, the 2021 Montreal Canadiens <laughs> who get to the finals because of Carey Price. Exactly. Like they almost beat us because single-handedly because of Carey Price. So, I mean, there's like not a lot of things I'd be trading. Yeah. And we only got to a game 7 against the Islanders because of Carter Hart. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I, I guess that that kind of transitions us over to like the entire Briere and Chuck Fletcher thing because the question had to do like if Briere takes over and he commits to a rebuild kind of thing, but just how cl- like, like as Flyers fans we've been on Twitter obviously over the past couple of months and like oh Chuck Fletcher can't last much longer can't last much longer we've never actually gotten any like actual factual information out of the organization that he's on the hot seat like is this guy actually on the hot seat or like. I don't think he is. Yeah, he looks comfortable to me. Dude. He's, he's cool. Eat, he's eating Dunkin' Donuts. He's <laughs> yeah. chilling. I thought it was going to be, oh, uh, give him December and see how this turns out. Well, we that's what everyone said. Through the month of December, and uh, he's still comfortable to me. Do you know what I'm hoping? I'm hoping that. I mean, obviously, I hate sitting here and being like, I hope they lose games. But I mean, at the end of the day, that is what's best for the organization. So in the long run, I'm just wishing for the best for them. But, like, best-case scenario when it comes to him, and he's just, like, the first Band-Aid with this entire thing, but he needs to go. Lose the first three out of four of this road trip, uh, or I, I think it's just three games. Lose a lot of games, the, the, the first four or five games. Lose all the games. And, and maybe after that, like, they look around and they're like, oh, we, we, we have to let this guy go. Like, I don't know. That's just the hope in me. But, I mean, he, he just he can't be here anymore. Like he's I feel like go. eventually they're going to let him go as a sort of PR shift. Uh, yeah, like I mean, when, I've said that. That's my theory. Uh, when they have to say the word rebuild and they can't treat it like Voldemort, a thing that shall not be named, they're going to fire Chuck Fletcher, and then Danny Breyer is going to come in and actually say the stuff that they were already planning. Yeah, it's absolutely, that's exactly what my theory was. It was they're going to turn around and realize that like the, they, they can't handle the negative PR with Chuck Fletcher anyway any longer they're gonna fire him and bring in the guy that everybody loves and can't hate for at least the first couple months of him being gm win that pr and then have the new gm come out and admit to like hey we're gonna be kind of tanking this year and we want a high-end draft pick kind of thing like the the only words i need to hear out of briere's mouth when he gets inevitably gets hired is we're looking forward to a top top five draft pick or something along the lines of like, we're like, we're looking towards how we lead this draft coming up. It's something like that. Like, that's what I want. just say that and go away. That's just all I say want that and go down in the basement. Exactly. Whatever the hell. I don't care. Cause top five. I mean, me and Danny have talked about it and uh, he's not as into the, the, the draft prospects as me and you are, but I mean, he still knows them and he understands oh, yeah. that if like, we, we, we land top five, man, and Cutter Gauthier can be a guy, and Cam York develops, and Morgan Frost can be a dude. It's, 
I'm not saying they're a playoff team next year, but I mean it's looking up. Like I'm not looking at a fucking dark tunnel anymore. Like, I see this that... is why we got to root for losses right now. And yeah. any, anyone who says that's a loser mindset, I'd counteract that and say you have the loser mindset. Don't care because th- th- they will not openly commit to a multi-year plan. Like this is it, and we lucked into it. We got some injuries, whatever. Like they got Torts and D'Angelo. Like they tried everything possible to not have this happen, honestly. <laughs> But it still happened anyway. So it's a blessing. you got to root for the losses here because what's the point of rooting for a win right now? There's really no point. Try to sell me on it. I dare you. Other than pride, I, I really can't. Like, there's nothing winning does right now other than, like, Look, building a foundation for- with, with the team or, like, anything like that. Like, the only thing that you can say winning does is, okay, it helps f- Torts kind of bring in a foundation. But other than that, it, it, it don't do shit, dude. I mean, I, if you, I mean, I'm just being realistic. It'll, that's all I'm doing. Like, uh, I guess it somewhat depends how you're winning. If we find a way to fucking win our way into the playoffs because yeah, that's Morgan different. Frost plays like Artemi Panarin, then okay, <laughs> I'll live with that. I mean, yeah, that's different. I'm talking about, like, if they're squeaking wins away because Carter Hart's standing on his head and saving 45 shots a game, that's why God, this... God, no. God, no. That's not good for the team. I don't care what you're saying. It's not good for the team for him to be squeaking out 2-1, 3-2 wins, saving 45 shots a game. It's not good like for we, the we team. We got to cash in right yeah. here, right now. That's how I feel. Yeah. You just got to like, cash this in this year. This is a once-in-a-decade draft. This draft and it's, something it's like a good it draft. will not come again for a decade. Yeah, the top four... The, 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 the top four is ridiculous. I mean, you got Bedard franchise, Fantilli franchise, uh, Carlson's on the borderline of franchise, and then you still have Mitch Koff. I'll go all the way. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure you would. But, then, like, Mitch Koff, too. Like, the only reason why he, like, people... Leo Carlson propagandist, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you have a lot of guys that you're propagandist for. But, like... <laughs> Like, the only reason why people aren't huge on Mitchkov right now is because of, obviously, the Russian factor, and he's not playing in the World Juniors, and he just got called up to the KHL, didn't have the best showing in the VHL. But, like, I guarantee you, if this guy's playing hockey in front of people, and granted, he hasn't been that bad. Like, he's been pretty good since being called up to the KHL, apparently. He I think it'd be different. his first goal, which was a nasty wrist shot. I think it'd be different, man. I think people are, like... Let it happen, cause I'm I am skipping up there to the podium and selecting Mitchkov. Fifth. I think it's beautiful. Yeah, let it happen, oh, 100%. man. Hundred percent. I, I don't care about the Russian factor. I really don't. Mitchkov like, is going to be ready by the time he's like 22 anyway. Yeah, and, and that's, that's what that's the age you're looking for. Exactly. And obviously, I I, I care about what's happening happening with Russia and Ukraine, and it's terrible. But I mean, like, I don't care. From a hockey perspective. It, yeah, in a sense of like. I don't care that I gotta wait maybe two, three years to see him because uh, they're not gonna be ready to actually compete until then. So I mean, if he can come in here like a like a Kaprizov came in there uh, into the NHL, uh, that's it's huge. It's huge because if we can have, like I said, I'm I'm skipping up to the podium if Mitchkov is sitting there at five. Like I it's just I don't know, Danny. What do you think? I'm like killing myself to get over there. Oh yeah, that's like a dream scenario if we don't win the lottery for me. You hopped in when I was like, let it happen. You were like, yeah, yeah, let it happen. I know you had some thoughts on that. That's what I was thinking about just last night, as a matter of fact. I was like, this is beautiful. Because, like, the GMs, they're going to buy into that, and he's going to slip just a little bit, and hopefully it's right where we're at. I was kind of thinking the same thing with Fantilli. Like, if Carlson – like, Derek, if if Dvorsky or uh, or Shala or or any of these – like, Benson can push their way – 
up to like top four, top five. Like they push a guy like Carlson down, or like if Fantilli slips a couple spots. Like there are so many guys in this draft that I look at. Like if you fall and we don't draft you, that's when I'm going all out on the GM. Dude, Grant McCack on Twitter, whom I normally like and who does some good prospect work. He's really into it. He is. He's good. Before the season, he taught. He said the words. And I'm pretty sure he said these exact words. Don't put Bedard in number one so fast because there's a guy named Dalibor Dvorsky. And that didn't pan out when we went into the season, but I think it makes the point. Dalibor Dvorsky, all these dudes are so ridiculously talented that if you took a like objective view, people would have to say, well, who knows? They might all explode. And they're a generational talent. That is what we're dealing with. Yeah, there are like four or five guys that you look at. Like, okay, you might not be on Bedard's level right now, but like you, you, you might project somewhere near there. Like there, there's so many guys. And it's like, like 2015 with Matt Barzal and Kyle Connor, and they're all like, dominating in different countries. <laughs> that it's got one guy tearing up Russia, one guy tearing up the NCAA, one guy in Canada just. Destroy yeah, it. Tearing up Viking country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Carlson is in the SHL right now, and like he's not blowing the league up and and tearing it down, and but like I'm pretty sure he's got like, 15 points in like 20 something games. Hey, yeah, it's lines. a tough league, man. It his, is like draft year pace, as in like his draft year compared to other draft years. I believe oh, is still yeah. on rather historic levels. And the other thing with Carlson is Carlson follows the same rule as every other big kid. They're going to develop slower. Mm-hmm. Just because Carlson happens to be immensely talented, this ain't the ceiling. He's like any other 6'4 kid. He doesn't fully know what he's capable of yet. Which is scary because you can, you can just by watching him, you can tell he knows how to use his body when going into the corners and how to use his body when he's when he's attacking the net with the puck like when he's already have has that in his game like an Adam Fantilli and they're playing grown men hockey at 18 19 years old like you said like this isn't the best that they're going to be like what's what's Leo Carlson going to look like in 2 years what's he going to look like when he's 20 you know what i mean like jesus he has right now he has 14 points 3 goals 11 assists in 25 games in the SHL which that's not bad at all isn't that a lower scoring league as well? Oh, yeah, SHL is a, a grown man league, dude. Like right yeah. after it's basically the, the AHL. Yeah, honestly. it's right up there with one of the best leagues in the world, besides the the NHL. Like I think it's right below the KHL. If you're yeah, talking so that, about, so that's absolutely impressive. As an 18 year old kid, for, yeah, for a young kid to be doing yeah. that, 100. percent And, and that's why he's projected like where he is. Predicated on being bigger than people, which he is not currently in the SHL, and he will be in two years. <laughs> yeah, like he's playing with grown men. Over there, like he's not bigger than them, and still putting up some pretty decent points um, as an eighteen-year-old, seventeen, eighteen-year-old kid. So I mean, like this, this draft is just insane. And while, as as the pods come along, we will talk more and more about it as as we fall in the in the standings. Because I mean, we have a chance to Every fall a little bit here, boys. It is, Absolutely. dude. This Sharks game is huge. Like they beat us. They in regulation, they overtake us. I mean, come on, Eric Carlson, Talk 46 points in 33 games. What you got for me? Seriously, turn up. Please. I mean, do we think Hart so – what's, so what's up with the whole Hart situation? Because like, the things that I can't, I can't get past is what is he doing on IR now that he wouldn't be doing if you didn't put him on IR? Like, do, like, do they get some money in like, the cap situation? Like, what, like, he's starting these next – he's on the trip. 
He's starting the 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 two games after tomorrow's game. So like, what does putting him on IR do? Exactly. I'm not sure it accomplishes anything. I I'm think confused. I think it's because this guy's in concussion protocol that okay. he had to be on IR, and they just couldn't put him on IR until before the, until after the roster freeze was over. I do remember the towards, roster freeze. Yeah, I do remember towards saying something in the press conference today, talking about like he has to go through a specific test. Yeah. Or something like that. So maybe that's why he had to get thrown on IR, like you said. But if that's not the reason, then like, what the fuck is yeah, like? Was the reason to give me a heart attack? Because it worked. Concussion protocol. And my thing is, even looking beyond the tank, the tank, let's say they clear, yes, the tank, but even beyond the tank, which is number one, let's look at number two. Even beyond, let's say the doctor clears him and he can start Saturday. Fucking why, dude? This is a lost season, and your goalie is just getting over a concussion, and you're trying to rush him back faster than the Carolina Hurricanes are rushing back their coach Hekoff, who, like, stubbed his toe. I don't know. I don't have an answer for you, but I, I I agree with you. Like, there's no reason to to throw him in there. They're not like you're fighting for a playoff spot or fighting for a spot atop the Metro. Like, give him a little bit of time. Like, you have two guys who can play. You, you just talked about how you wanted to see Erson so bad. Give him a little bit of games. And then... I feel like it's a, it's a little bit of torch just having respect for the room and kind of giving them the best chance to win that night. It's just not openly yeah. being like, oh, I'm selling the game. Yeah. He, he kind of wants to keep them in the game, keep it competitive, so they're not just completely demoralized. I think that's definitely what it is. I mean, you, yeah. That's 100%. But it, it sucks. I do wonder, does he, like, trust Arison? Or not Arison, I'm sorry, Sandstrom. No, I don't think he does. Uh, no. I, mean, I mean, like, who it, gives a fuck? It's, it's pretty clear he doesn't trust anyone blatant. besides Hart. It's, like, even Arison, if you compare to him is blatant away. Arison got here and Torch was like, yeah, I want to get a look at this kid. Let's get him in the net. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, Sandstrom has been here for 8,000 years and was like, who's Sandstrom? I don't know who that is. Get Hart back in there. Yeah, it kind of makes you think that he's not too huge on on Felix. So, yeah, that's definitely for sure. keep an eye on that. Um, um, our boy Luke said, what is the worst thing you would do for Connor Bedard in a Flyers uniform? It's a good question, Luke. There's a long list of felonies. Yeah, I don't know if we could say the worst thing on here. <laughs> I feel like I'd be admitting the crime to the NSA or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the FBI. Someone's going to clip it and ruin, uh, ruin this podcast. Um, Canceled. Some crazy shit for sure, <laughs> without a doubt. <laughs> Dude, I, there are a list of crimes, some Grand Theft Auto-like shit that I would do to get Leo Carlson on this team. We don't even talk about Connor Bernard. Uh, all right, if if... if if like a genie came up to you guys and there and it was like you can have Connor Bedard. Bedard's a flyer and he's just as advertised for the next how many years he plays. But the Philadelphia Phillies absolutely crumble. Like they don't they don't make the playoffs again for the next fifteen years. The Phillies are flyers. The Phillies. The Phil like Flyers are good, but the Phillies just die. Even with all the players that they have. Would you take that? As yeah. Yeah, because yeah, hockey's my sport. <laughs> yeah. sure, Are you kidding baseball, me? Yeah, it comes pretty close. It's, it's yeah. like I was watching that, that Phillies playoff run, and I was like, when is our time? I was like, I think you can point to all the other teams. Like, the Eagles, they got their Super Bowl. Uh, Phillies had that run. And, like, the Sixers, they're in the mix every year. They got Joel Embiid, who's just ridiculous. And, like, whatever. They're fine. It's like, you look at the Flyers, though. It's like, when is our time? You know I what know. I mean? You got to so, yeah, think it's 100%. soon, right? Like, 
Me and you talk about that all the time, Danny. Like, we look around, Sixers are good, Eagles are good, Phillies just made that run. And we haven't had that kind of, like, 2010, people always, I mean, that's probably the first thing people would say as, like, a counter-argument to what I just said. And even, like, my dad admits, like, that was a, like, a, not a Cinderella run. Like, they, they were good, but it, it wasn't like they were consistently a good team. Like, they're not, it's not like they and were, we like, Boston. Recapture it is the big thing. Yeah. yeah, I know. We went back the next year and got balanced. Recapture like. what? It was, like, it was, yeah, we got balanced in 2011. People forget just how bad and embarrassing that round against the Boston Bruins was in 2011, and people were always... And then they won the Cup, so it's like our comeback isn't even as, like, magical as it once was, because, like, the end result was them winning and we didn't. So, like, my mind always goes back to, like, you have to think that eventually, within the next, like, few years, we have to get a break. Like, me and you talk about I really think we will. You have to. I don't know. Maybe it's the optimist in me, but I feel like the regression to the mean is real. Okay, we've had so much <laughs> shit go on over here that math dictates that yeah. we are about to experience equilibrium at some point. That's that, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, like at some point, like f- fuck math, but throw math out of the window. Like, <laughs> like you gotta get like, I, mean, I guess it is math. Like you gotta get lucky at some point, right? Yeah, like it's dude. been twenty something years since we've like the last superstar that we've had is Eric Lindros. I mean, obviously, yeah, you can yeah, make yeah. an argument like, for Dude, Drew. I look at Tage Thompson, dude. I, I I'm like, where's our Tage <laughs> yeah. Thompson? Morgan Frost, that's where he is. Hey, I'm here for that, dude. That's exactly... No, I'm just kidding. Hey, look, if Morgan Frost wants to do that while we have Cutter Gauthier coming up and Leo Carlson, I, by all means, bro. <laughs> I love that he always he's already saying that we have Carlson. <laughs> I Look, I am... How do I put this? I'm manifesting it. Yeah, hey, dude, manifest Bedard, like, come on. Well, I've been manifesting Bedard. Yeah, sure, you have. Summer. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But like, like, could you seriously, before we end this, could you seriously imagine us landing that guy or any of these top three dudes? Like, it just changes everything. Like me and Danny talking about it off mic. Like, it it changes. Obviously, it changes Philadelphia in the way that the casual fan looks at the Flyers. But it changes like the it changes the matchups. Like, every game turns into like. Sebastian Ajo versus Adam Fantilli in the flight. It just Philadelphia Flyers are so marketable, and if you can land any of these three guys, it just yeah. it, it we're starved. So much. We are starved for something like this as a market. You got like just, Ed Ed Snyder and the Flyers. Like he always would go out and get some big fish or something exciting. And you look at like the last ten years, and it's like every move has been mediocre as hell. And not fun. See, after the salary cap error was introduced, after Ed Snyder wasn't able to go out there and throw his uh, checkbook at somebody, that's when yeah. they, they, like have like Ed obviously the the spirit that he had. And, yeah, but and even Ed went out and got like a pronger, you know. True, like like yeah, he definitely forced those type of trades. Like, but he wouldn't be able to go out there and like throw money at like a huge free agent like he used to do. Which, like, that is something that. Uh, Having a, an owner like that is good. Like, I think they, they should bring like a, a luxury tack to the NHL whenever those talks eventually start. Like, I think something like that has to come back. To we, we oh, just yeah, need, dude. as an organization, we need a so no archaic. Yeah, it is. I agree. Casuals are excited about. We just need a win. Yeah, it, dude. Exactly. We need hope. Literally, <laughs> it, we need hope. Everything is bleakness and darkness and nonstop humiliation. We need something to be proud of. 
even if it is Connor Bedard, who has played zero NHL games and proven absolutely nothing, who cares? It's hope. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, like the, all, all these guys, like, we could draft somebody at four, and he can turn out to be fucking the next Del Cole or the next like, Bellows like, or something. Just a reasonable belief that a guy is on the way yeah. to make things better and to make the team worth watching. It doesn't have to be real right away. It can be like freaking Rasmus Dahlin at Buffalo, okay? Just give us... A... Yeah, that you just need that excitement. Just to get people yes. watching, get people excited, man. Like, I want to not be able to, like, not care about... No, I, I want to be able to care about hockey past, like, Thanksgiving again. Like, that would be really cool of me not checking out and, and, and reading draft profiles. Yeah. I would like to root for wins again, personally. It'd be nice to root for a win. <laughs> It would be nice to actively root to, to to win a hockey game and not deep down hope that <laughs> Carter Hart turns into Swiss cheese. Wouldn't it be great to turn on? It's true, though, and it's and sad. Be like, wow, we're playing the same sport as these guys. Because I don't <laughs> say that right now. No, bro, that's what I said in the Islanders series. Like, we're not playing the same sport as these guys. That's when I knew. That's when the realization of the next couple years came to me. I was like, all right. Matthew Barzell is skating around these guys like he's at open hockey, dude. Like this is gonna be bad for the next <laughs> yeah, that, couple of years. That's the moment. Cones. That's <laughs> the moment when like they should have accepted like, yo, we failed the Giroux era completely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Completely. Like, they added Nate Thompson and fucking Ryan Grant as like the trade deadline guys while the Islanders were over there like trading for JG Pajot, and that was our move. That it's just it's just a fucking joke, dude. Like the, the, I don't think it gets talked about nearly enough just how brutally Drew was failed in his time. I mean, Danny's all about a fucking plenty. Uh, yeah, are you kidding me? Yeah, uh, you guys do, but I just mean in general. Uh, I feel like people nationally oh, agreed. Agreed. No, that's because the legacy of Claude Drew because of the Flyers is one that is like fifty-fifty here in Philadelphia. Like you can ask some person who's like, oh, he's a loser captain, loser player, toxic in the locker room, and then you ask another person, he's like, oh, he's my favorite player of all time. So yeah. like, and that's because the Flyers did him so wrong, and never gave him a chance to get to the big stages with that team. And hopefully, with get any kind of elite player, dude. Like we just got done saying, he like look at Giroux with the ghost of Yager. Like the the best player that he was handed that wasn't forty year old <laughs> Yager was Voracek. And I'm not saying Voracek's a bad player, but like Voracek was a elite playmaker when he was in his prime, which was like two to three years, four, maybe four years. But other than that, like, that's the best player that Drew was given his entire career. A guy who couldn't elevate the puck. Him at all. And look, okay, look, you see Colorado running around right now? Colorado's got like five superstars, okay? They got five, six. And we had, let's say you get real generous and call uh, Voracek that. Couturier didn't become that yet. So it was like Drew, Voracek, and whatever the fuck they could muster. Yeah, that's insanely generous, by the way, to call him. It is insanely generous, but even you got you got two. Colorado yeah. Avalanche got five. The, the whole Lightning roster is superstars. Yeah. Just four I, lines of superstars. I don't even like pointing out Tampa and 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 Colorado as 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 like Examples like you could point at any other playoff team that could possibly make a playoff. Like you could look at the Dallas Stars, you could point at them, 
Fucking hell. Like, even the like the Penguins, even though like their their guys are are a lot older, but like Carolina, you can point at so many different teams, and you're like that guy would be the best player on on the Flyers without a question. Besides Hart, like you point at Carolina, Taro Taravainen is probably our best player if he's on the Flyers. He might Andre be Svechnikov. Yeah, is like basically Russian cutter's ceiling. There's so many guys that you can point at in the league on all different teams that are not Tampa and Colorado, the obvious, the obvious ones. Like Toronto or is, is another obvious one. Like it feels like <laughs> such an arms race in the NHL nowadays, and by that I mean like the talent is becoming so widespread and so much talent is coming into the league that it's like your main goal is to just stack as much talent as humanly possible. My thing with like building an NHL team was you need a, a goalie, obviously, but you need that that franchise defenseman at least one and then you need two superstars at least to, mm-hmm. to, to compete yeah. at least but you have to build like obviously we just talked about Tampa when what they have but uh, Colorado has McKinnon and Rantanen and like those are just two guys that I look at along with McCarr like, I, like if I'm a GM I'm looking at those three guys and being like holy fuck I'm good for the next like 11 years as long as I'm not the most incompetent person in the fucking world and put an AHL team behind them we're like in cup runs for the next 8 years you know like, what I mean Jesus Christ. three borderline generational talents on the same team it is absolutely nuts. but they are generational like like McKinnon Rantanen and McCarr are all generational talents and then you look over there in Edmonton uh, McDavid and Drosidle all Stam- Stamkos Kucherov Vasilevsky Hedman like oh my it's god it's disgusting dude it doesn't make sense like that that's what I mean when you look at the great teams around the league right now. We're not even playing the same sport. No. It all comes back to that, dude. <laughs> We're not playing the same fucking sport as And we people. don't even need to mention Boston. Boston. Uh, fuck Boston. 8,000 superstars. I'm not going to say that because I got my McAvoy. The evil empire. They Al- never die. <laughs> dude, out goes Char and then in comes McAvoy. Like, the number one defenseman never left, dude. It's incredible. Yeah, it's incredible. It's basically, like, fucking arguably upgraded Char. Like, how? How? Like, isn't seven foot three, but is probably just as good. Like, freaking dynamic skater instead. Like, what? We never... Uh, read Ryan Conway's question off, which I will read right now. He goes, How soon yep. until Kevin Hay pulls a sedlack and moves back to Dorchester to play a beer league puck with Whitney and Dandel? I feel like that's coming to a head in the offseason. <laughs> oh, he's definitely going within either trade deadline. I, I would be shocked. To... 80% chance... No, 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 I'm sorry. There's a 20% chance that he goes before a trade deadline, and I think there's like a 70% chance he goes in the summer. Like I... I He's like me and Danny sat on this podcast in, uh, before the season began, and we talked about what the season was for. And one of the things the season was for was picking guys that aren't going to be here was like number two on the list for Torts. And this is like the first guy. This is the first guy that Torts has. He hasn't come out and like said it, but I mean, it's it doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure it out that this is one of these guys that Torts is probably in the meeting room with Flair and, and fucking Fletcher and Briere and being like, yeah, this is a guy that like I'm not crazy about that I wouldn't be mad if he's not on my team next year. Yeah, he's so. clearly checked out. Like you could tell. Like even though this team sucks, like there's a lot of players on this team trying to find their way, a lot of hungry players, and they're they're scrapping and clawing every night, and he's not one of them. It's no. that simple. And it's sad. Like those are the guys like. Everybody 
in that organization knew coming into this season that they weren't going to be good. They, they all knew they weren't going to be playing for a playoff spot. So it was all about who put their head down and still worked hard and wants to be here. And, like, Frost is a guy that I look at. He never, never, his, his, his manure never wavered. Never said anything bad. Got called a toilet seat, laughed about it. Has always worked <laughs> hard. Like 90% I mean, of the fan base hates him. And he's just, oh. he's oh. never said anything. He's always just worked hard, and now look at him. Like, he's easily the best story oh, of yeah. the season besides Dude, Hunter. I admire that guy as a pro. Like, that is a I guy do. who has taken adversity throughout the beginning part of his career and never bitched and has just worked through Talk it. your shit, Danny, about Frost, because I know you want to. Not that, like, he's tearing the fucking league down but i mean it's nice to see well even before these points came like you kind of felt it like, yeah he was always just kind of knocking on the door lately you just felt that explosion coming but it was like one of those things where he was so goddamn snake bitten that we we just gave up we were like nah it's just not gonna happen yeah, I guess but, like, it's not we gonna always happen. knew it was inevitable like you just watch him like that that breakthrough was always gonna happen and, it, and it's cool to see torts with the button pushing with him and York and seeing it come to fruition. And uh Derek, I actually want to ask you, have you have you done like a one eighty on Torts or do you still have like some skepticisms or because I know you were very skeptical in the you beginning. Are, the whole York shit. Yeah. Well I've definitely done a one eighty on the York shit. Like he was right, Frost. I was wrong about York. Uh Frost my only thing with Frost is I did feel like Frost was gonna figure out on figure it out on his own eventually. And I do wonder if that's just this happening finally because Torts like took his finger off the scale so to speak there's a part of me that wonders that that's fair i mean look i don't need to argue about hypotheticals what actually happened is frost looks like the best we've ever seen him at the nhl level oh without question so uh yeah i'm going to give Torts credit for that even if there's some hypothetical world where he doesn't actually deserve credit for that so (laughs) It's actually a really good point. Like, who would have thought that John Tortorella would have been the coach to finally unlock Frost? You know, it's kind of funny. Torts gets this rap, and some of it's deserved, but, like, that dude had a man crush on Artemi Panarin. Mm-hmm. That dude called Artemi Panarin a top three player in the league when, like, Sidney Crosby was still in his yeah, He rides for his guys, man. 100%. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, and, like, the stigma around him that he doesn't like young players and skilled and, guys like, he himself like dude the kevin hayes situation he wants to it's about the response he wants to see kevin hayes respond the right way yeah and he didn't it's not about the the benching itself no i agree that's a great point it's not about or the benching like warensky that dude uh, warensky is not the defenseman you would think about when you're thinking about the defenseman towards loves the torts if you get him talking about warensky just starts gushing about him yeah and he, I mean, he did that for York today. Yeah. <laughs> and he admitted Wreski sucked when he yeah, first came were, into the league. There were stories was like, like Hartnell was telling stories of, like him on the bench saying like, "Don't put that kid out there. He fucking stinks." He said it today in his like press that. conference. He was like, "Yeah, when... he said he said that kid was awful. He had no he idea how to defend." It's exactly, word for word, what he said. Like, he was like, "That kid sucked when we first got him. Like he did not know how to defend." Like, that's what I like about Torres. That's what you got to like about Torres as a player. Like He's perfect for this market. Uh, oh, openly yeah. telling you how he feels. Like He's telling you like the same thing he's saying to the media is the exact same thing he's telling you when he's watching tape with you in the and room. And it's why when he does come out and he starts like unequivocally praising a player, 
that I really think people got to start paying attention because I don't think he does that lightly. Like him talking about Cam York could be Dan Boyle. Like, he's not doing that lightly. He's not randomly yeah. getting excited about some kid. I mean, he called Morgan Frost a toilet seat. <laughs> okay? If he's yeah. turning around and he's If anything, we know honesty is there. Yeah. Yeah, Frost exactly. was like, that was funny as shit. Found that it, funny. It was funny as shit. <laughs> was so funny. I, and uh, you got to appreciate it. Morgan Frost has been through more shit in this organization than freaking anybody. He had every motivation in the world to just throw it in and try to get either traded or released or whatever so he could go to a different org and get a just a fresh start. Mm-hmm. He had every motivation to do that. Or and at least did. maybe like a sour comment to the media. Maybe, maybe just something minor. Anything. But there was any not one peak fraction. And no, he just like kept his nose to the grindstone. And I don't mean to call out Anthony Sanfilippo here, but yeah, I'm going to call out Anthony Sanfilippo here. He was addressing the uh, Danny Briere and Morgan Frost comparisons because if you look at their careers to date and the production, it's an immaculate match. And San Filippo talks about, well, the difference is that Danny Briere had that dog in him and Morgan Frost is entitled. What the fuck are you talking about, dude? Who the hell in Flyers, who the hell in the Flyers universe, be it fans, be it coaches, be it the front office, be it whoever the fuck, was like uh, anointing Morgan Frost, the Messiah, besides me, Danny, and Stumps. What, yeah, those three he, guys he had the Morgan hardest Frost path to no prove line. himself out of anyone the hardest yeah. path to prove himself out of and anyone you're telling me that he that he was entitled like he was fucking jack hughes coming into the league give me a fucking break yeah i mean i didn't see that so i can't really comment on i read it, but... i read the article and i look i'm going after a particular but that's kind guy, of like the, the consensus amongst the fan base like people are like oh he's, he's a soft player he's soft player him. get the hell out of here dude <laughs> Derek's over here. Get the hell out. But like I said, yeah, I, mean, I haven't really seen anything that, like, I haven't seen that, so I can't really say anything. Uh, yeah, and what Danny says is exactly right. It isn't even just him. He's not the only guy who ever thought to say that about Morgan Frost. Basically, everyone in this fan base calls him soft and entitled, and yet somehow this kid has had to put up with more shit than anybody. I mean, hell, compare him to Ivan Provorov. People in this fucking universe are still calling him a number one defenseman. We are on year five of Provorov disappointments. Yeah, definitely not a number one. Like, if you're going to call Provorov a true number one, I don't know what you're watching. And there are people still trying to do it. Not Granted, the number's shrinking every day, but I think you get my point. There are people in this organization that it's like they are entitled, frankly, in a lot of people's perceptions, but it ain't Morgan Frost. Hell no. Definitely not. I agree. Look at Owen Tippett. And I like Owen Tippett. But, like, everybody had Owen Tippett as the breakout candidate of this year. Or Wade Allison. Frost is the bust. They come from the same damn draft. And Owen Tippett had double the NHL experience. And, frankly, spent all his time developing in a competent organization. And now he's in an incompetent one. (laughs) Florida's definitely a lot more competent than, than, than Philly. I'll give you that. Yeah, and I don't even mean to like completely shit on Owen Tippett. I just don't get how one is a bust and the other is a thirty goal scorer just waiting to break out. Please, somebody explain it. <laughs> oh my god! It's like they pick and choose. I mean, like there's patience with a guy like Sam Moore, and like he he goes on like year nine, and people are still <laughs> like, oh, let's, let's see what Sam Moore can do. But Morgan Frost in year two, it's like oh, I'm tired of hearing about him. 
you well, guys la labeling him the Marvel. savior? Like, no one well, ever uh, labeled Morgan Frost the savior of the yeah, organization. Like, it, it's something with the market. I think it's there's a real, real thing where it's like, oh, if you're a gritty power forward, then we got all the time in the world for you. But if you're like a finesse guy with the greatest hands you've ever seen, you better be David Pasternak on day one, or you're a fucking disappointment. Fair. <laughs> yeah. Definitely fair. Let's finish up these questions real quick. Yeah, yeah. Flyers season. How much worse can it really get? Don't even I mean, ask, dude. Let's not find out. Well, could... we could start winning. That could get. That could make it True. worse. You're right. You're right. We go on a heater for sure. <laughs> I would make it worse. Yeah, that's a good I point. Put that out in the universe. Too much yeah, yeah. I'm kind of that. upset you just said that because the thought of that's kind of and I don't sick. I'm, I'm gonna find a way to make it up for it in terms of like karmic balance. <laughs> and I don't just mean like squeaking out. W's like if they're winning because Frost is snapping and, and Cam York is a top two defenseman, like I'm, I'm cool with that. Like if if I would be okay with like the ninth pick if that meant Frost turned into an eighty point guy and York is a top two defender. Like if that is what happens through the rest of the year, which obviously probably won't. But other than that, look, I do want to put that out. I, I have be I have beat around the bush on this episode. What? I do not want to rule out the possibility of Cam York becoming a number one defenseman in the NHL. I honestly kind of uh, felt that you were hinting at it when you were talking about the whole Provorov thing and how we don't know what York uh -huh. is yet and stuff. But I was hinting at it. I know I you were. I want to get around to say it, but I, I want to put it out there. Oh, yeah. I don't want to pussyfoot around it. I think it is within his capabilities. Look. Oh, I'm definitely. He's going to get there. But, yeah. It's his ceiling. He's got, uh, he's, yeah. His ceiling Anyone who says otherwise is just in the NHL. honestly a hater. Honestly, yeah. yeah. I, Way too early. Obviously, not gonna, not saying that he's going to become that, but his ceiling is absolutely a number one defenseman. As a, as a guy Which that is can, why, if he works out, he can change this franchise. Not by himself, but like a huge help. part of changing this franchise. I agree, man. There's a, there's a lot of things that we can go into this next half of the season and storylines that we can see how they play out. How does Frost work out? How does Hart finish the season? Can he continue playing like that? Does Joel Farabee actually start Ooh. playing? Like, yeah, we haven't man. even talked about him. We haven't They're, even talked yeah. about him, and that's kind of telling. The we, fact that we Do we want to mention Joel Farabee? I mean, yeah, we can get into him. It's, but... it's kind of telling that he's that far under the radar. That we haven't even brought him up. Like, that just goes to show. Like, he, to me, he's been invisible. I mean, he's he, been a little bit better as of late, and he's, he's yeah. turning it on. He's getting some time with Frost, but I need to see more. I've seen stretches about Farabee before, like where he's been good. I need to see it more on a consistent level. Like he got paid. I need to see him yeah. step up now. It's the exact thing Torts said about him. He's just the inconsistency with him is starting to get kind of annoying kind of thing. It's kind of what I got from Torts talking about him was like, hey, yeah, like we can see flashes, but like this guy goes away for like games at a time. And well, it's like it's basically Morgan Frost with him right now. It is in, no, absolutely Morgan it Frost, is. Back in October, this is Joel Farabee. But Joel right Farabee like doesn't have the natural skill that Frost does. So like even when even when Joel like even when Frost isn't doing anything and like he has the flashes here and there, you're like holy fuck! Like I I saw that when Joel's not doing anything, he looks like dog shit, dude. Like he just looks uninterested, and he's just and been. That's my concern with Farabee, like long term. Yeah. This year, look, I get you can kind of write it off because that injury does mess with you for a long time definitely and even in like psychological ways i mean look at jack eichel and the difference last year versus this year is made for him so i get it but even like long term my issue with joel farabee is i don't see 
how he like produces a ton of offense at the NHL level. I see his ability to finish and to make a yeah. great pass for a goal and to score a goal, but I just don't see like Morgan Frost and Morgan Frost can really generate at the NHL level when his game is right. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't see that with Harvey. I, I think Joel has to be with a, a an extremely good play driver. So somebody like Couturier yeah. would be good for someone like Joel because Couturier As would... soon as he gets with a player like that, it's like his game changes. Yeah. Because he's, like, he's more aggressive. Because he's such a smart player. Mm-hmm. I will give him that. He's really smart, and he's got like just enough skill to sort of put his mind to use. And like you said, he's a good. He's a, he's a pretty good finisher. So I mean, Couturier would put him in those spots. Like we get a guy like Couturier to put him next to, or we can get a top three pick in this draft and draft a Bedard, Fantilli, or or Carlson, and, and have them center a Fairby. Now that's somebody that Fairby would look good next to because even the, if freaking Gauthier is that guy, because Gauthier looks like he can generate. Yeah, I and still think he's a winger. That's the crazy part. About yeah, him. but we'll here, see. Here, here's the optimist in me, but like. <laughs> Say we go into next year and York has proven himself and it, like it's very exciting. Like you're going into year two, like this guy's about to go off. Mm-hmm. You got Frost continuing this trend. He ends his year with like how many points is he at right now? Uh, he's at fourteen. Like fourteen. If he continued this pace, I could see him hitting like fifty. Oh my god, dude! I would be a, <laughs> I would be a problem if Frost hits fifty. I'm just telling everyone <laughs> right now. I'm going to be, especially with the if, way he started, because I'm going to be doing a lot of cherry picking and be like, if you, oh, if you yeah. cancel out all the After Dorian game games, 22, and... Morgan Frost played it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's funny. But, like, and then you start to, like, hopefully Couturier comes back and he's healthy. And I, I say, hopefully, like, that, that is La La Land, me saying that, because I haven't seen it for years. And then Carter Hart <laughs> comes back. Like, are you, are you excited for next year? Like, Absolutely. Yeah, like, like, are you I've riding with this a, team going into next year, man, with that I've pick? i compared, and... like, a sort of ceiling for next year's team. You, I could almost look at us as, like, Buffalo with Carter Hart in net. And Buffalo with Carter Hart in net is Ooh, a playoff. I like that. I like and that. It, it's like, it's not ready to win a Stanley Cup or anything. Don't get me wrong. No, you're right, but it can squeak in. It can squeak uh, in and cause some problems. And it's fun, and you want to watch them, and you're proud to have some of these guys on your team. Yeah. I yeah. Like I want to buy a Jersey. Maybe uh-huh. let me one up you. Let me one up you. One next, okay. next year's team. I think could potentially be with like Cutter comes up. York continues his, his, his good play. Frost continues his good play. We get a top three pick that plays with us next year and is good. Maybe Atkinson. Yeah, maybe Atkinson Couturier comes back. Like if all this happens, and that's T- a huge if. TK continues this. Huge if. I think they could be like that towards Columbus team that swept Tampa yeah. back in like 2018. Like yeah, that kind of team uh-huh. that can like is not going to make a playoff run, but can surprise the team. But in they're round causing one. Prob- Nobody wants to play. Exactly. They're, they're not going to win the Stanley Cup, but nobody wants to like, play. Like ah damn, I really don't want to go into Philly and face Fantilli, Hart, Provorov, York, and Frost. Like I'm cool on that like, right now. I, you know what I want? You know what my fucking dream for next year is? What? To have dudes. That these like <laughs> NHL national Twitter accounts want to post about. Don't dudes that you can actually market there? Dudes that we can put on our social accounts for yeah. fuck's sake. Because well, they can't market yeah, anybody like, right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you got all these nasty ass dudes from the Rangers and the Devils and the Bruins yeah. that everybody's posting about all the time. They got Tage Thompson that everybody's posting about on the time. I want a guy like that so desperately. Dude, we've talked about this in the group chat. Danny, I don't even think you were there during the conversation about, like, 
marketing and who we can market as a flyer right now. And like the only guy is Torts and Hart are the two guys that you can look it's at. It's so funny. It's Dude, funny as fuck. And it should be that way. Like Torts should be the most marketed piece because it's like yeah, what because else? just this person. Like, but I do want to shout out what Travis Konechny has done this season. Agreed. And not even because he's marketable per se right now, but purely because what we were talking about earlier, where this was coming in and being a guy that works hard. Travis Konechny came in this year, most likely knowing we were going to be epic levels of ass, <laughs> and he's having a career year. And oh, he's we're been good. Halfway That's the year. difference between him and Hayes, right? Game player. Yeah, that is, the, it, like you said, it's night and day. It is yin and yang. It is completely opposite ends of the spectrum. You can be Konechny or you can be Hayes. <laughs> Hayes. <laughs> By the way, I just want to throw this in here real quick. Bedard had seven points tonight. Yeah, but, yeah. I checked the score of that. That was insane. Seven I mean, points. I, I was just talking about parity in the world juniors. I want to make a single <laughs> exception for Germany. Okay, I don't and know that, why Germany's here. <laughs> and then there was just a firing squad there tonight. <laughs> Bro, like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Seven? Like, I, I, yeah, I understand it was Germany, but like, that is not a real stat. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude! Yeah, like, what? That's hell? like, that's like be a pro rookie mode. He had three goals, four <laughs> assists. Fantilli oh, had yeah, one point. God. Fantilli, what are you doing, dude? dude. Fantilli's a bus. Leo Carlson's my guy. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying it's Bedard, Carlson, Fantilli? Apparently. It's Bedard. I'll gladly take number I'll three. I'll say this about the NHL draft. There's always one the team NBA. in like the top six that always throws a curveball, I feel like. There's always oh, someone 100%. that that there's always some GM big brain and thinking that he he's throwing the ultimate curveball, dude. <laughs> and it's gonna happen. There's always the plot twist. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, the only team that I wouldn't want in front of me making that pick would be Yzerman with Detroit. I'd be like, chill, bro, because whoever chill. you pick is gonna turn into a fucking six-six monster. Just written in the stars, <laughs> like. I'm cool on it, dude. Seriously. Like, Are there more questions? Oh uh, yeah, so seven inches and become six. Yeah, chill. Oh my gosh, that'd be terrible. Parody Goalie said, have you heard of Cam Agassin? He sounds like a cool prospect. Haven't seen a single highlight of him, though. We, we've touched on Cam. It's a very unfortunate situation. Yeah, it sucks. Seriously. Flyers Clips, looking back at the Sanheim versus Provrov debate, who would you guys now prefer to keep now that we're 30 games in? Uh, it's a tough question because I still think like in the environment that they're in right now, I would, I, I would I struggle answering that question for both players because I, I wouldn't be able to. Like I'm open to trading either one of them. But yeah, I agree with Stumps completely. Here's what I'm going to yeah, say. Yeah, like, there's not one that's, like, leaps and bounds. Like, like if I can't confidently ask, pick one over the other and be like, for sure. Yeah. If had to ask me right now to pick one of them, I'm picking Sandheim because the ice time is nearly equal. But I want to point this out. I'm not ready to pick yeah. purely because have you, did you, you guys listen to uh, Torch Press Conference today. Uh-huh. And I... Th- from the York propaganda and all that, I really liked what he had to say about Provorov. Oh, me too. I loved it. How, how he has to get back and to his defensive game. Yeah, back to his defensive game. No more trying to play hero ball. No more pretending you're Kale McCarr or Quinn Hughes mm-hmm. when you're not that guy. And That's just why. getting back to what you can do at an elite level. If Provorov can really embrace that message and actually go out and do it, then I could completely change my mind. Yeah, that's and a great that's point. That's a possible thing to happen. So yeah. I'm not ready to make that decision. But it, if you had to ask me who has the lead, yeah, Sanheim 
has done better with his ice time so far. Yeah. And like, and that's the thing. People were like, well, Sandheim's been better. I'm like, that's not really saying much. Like, because Provorov's been fucking brutal. So like, oh, I, I, I'd bad. hope so. Okay. Well, I, I'd hope he'd be better, dude. Another thing is, now that if Sandheim has his I've deal, been. who is the more valuable asset to well, ship? What'd you say, Dan? Now that Sandheim has his deal, who is the more valuable asset to ship? I, I still think it's Provorov because I think there are a lot of reasons why. Like, I'm not gonna just. Say it's like such a it's cop tough. out answer. It's tough. But my cop out answer, like half cop out answer, is it depends on the GM. Because like I feel like there's gonna so there's some teams around the league who feel like who look at Provorov and like I'm gonna rehab him and do a Hampus Lindholm in Boston maneuver. And then there are other teams in the league who are gonna say I really like what Sandheim brings. His ability to join the rush. He's yeah. pretty good on the breakouts. He's not a total liability defensively. I I just want that guy in my top four. So it it depends what team you're talking to, which is my somewhat cop-out answer. But I did at least tell you the terms. <laughs> yeah, true. It's definitely tough. It, 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 going off what you said about the whole torch presser with uh, York and how I think like it's, it's getting back – Getting Provorov back to playing a defensive game and not playing hero ball and stuff like that, and I think it's having York as a, a guy who can who's elite at getting the puck out of your own zone is really going to kind of help Provorov settle down. And so. the real difference besides York, in my opinion, just being better at it than D'Angelo, York is a far superior defender than to D'Angelo at this point. I wouldn't say far superior, but I think he's a little bit yeah, better. Yeah, yeah, nah, nah. D'Angelo's kind of a disaster defensively. He's been a disaster. Started the season out really well there. That uh, is true. Mm-hmm. But, like, recently but, uh, he's been bad. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. give you that. Uh, either way, definitely superior. And so what I was really getting at is Kovarov doesn't have to, like, per se carry York defensively, whereas with uh, uh, D'Angelo, he kind of has to carry D'Angelo defensively. Yeah, I feel that. the same way that Slavin had to. And A, asking Provorov to be Slavin on day one is a little unfair to Provorov. And B, asking Carolina's forwards were insane. They had a collection of dudes who all could get the puck at an elite level and make it so that Carolina was rarely ever playing defense. So D'Angelo not being the greatest defender just was not a problem for them. Whereas, obviously, it is a bigger problem for the Flyers, who do not have such luxuries. <laughs> yeah, I mean, def- definitely don't have the forwards that Carolina does. But I, I just to kind of counterpoint that is, I, I, I do like obviously, Slay, uh, Provo isn't slaving, so. But at right. the same time, I do think it's pretty hard to like carry somebody on a first pair. Whether like even though it definitely is, I I, I, I don't I don't think people give D'Angelo enough credit for how good he was over there. Um, he was survivable. He like, was good, I, dude. But I think like Derek said, they had like just the overall depth and support yeah. to win. Like, yeah. Well, the thing I, I don't think is he's like brilliant offensively. Well, why they like take Provorov and D'Angelo away? Like they were good. For like extended periods of time, had like a couple rough games, and then like they broke them apart. For like, I, I, I haven't seen them back together. I think Torts has like a love hate relationship with D'Angelo, and it's because like there are parts of D'Angelo's game that Torts absolutely detests, namely the defensive game, and parts of D'Angelo's game that he like loves. Like 
the offensive game yeah and the the energy that he brings yeah. like i think torts loves all that but he hates the defensive thing so i think that's a thing that we're going to deal with between torts and d'angelo just like an in and out love hate relationship with the guy I agree. I think it's going to be an up and down thing. But I think at the end of the day, I think we're going to see them back together at some point. Probably. I mean, look, unless York just yeah. and reigns and runs with it. Which would be great. If that happens, I will be fucking breaking <laughs> pom-poms out. Dude, that, you'll that's, be... that's the reason to watch this season, right? That's what we're I'll be on cloud nine, dude. This isn't the Flyers. This is the Cam Yorks. Yeah. The Cam Yorks. Yeah, seriously. It does feel that way. It's like any game where we get a frost in York Point and a loss, I'm like, oh, oh my god, cool. oh, dude. yeah, dude, that right? is. I'm heaven. smiling, dude. I feel like I just, oh. I feel like we won. I really do. I, I've <laughs> I feel won. Like we won the playoffs. We won a playoff series every time I get all three of those things. <laughs> handshake line. All right. all right, boys. We're nearing like two hours here. Yeah, this wow. is kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's a good one. Holy. So we're gonna wrap up this episode 89 here of the Liberty L. You can follow us on us all socials at. T-L-Y, or at the Liberty L everywhere. T-L-Y Danny for me, Chris Stumps on Twitter, and uh, Derek Suitable Alias, right? Yep, that's right. And go floor. Go Sharks.